Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Uh, today, James is going to take us, I, I think, back to the workshop. And he's going to challenge us. He's going to chisel us a little bit. He's going to beat some stuff out of us. Um, not in a violent way, but he's going to work it out of us, and he's going to basically tell us that mercy triumphs over judgment. That mercy that we've received is mercy that we should give. Grace that we have received is grace that we should give and extend. I, I, I think about this church, and I love this church, and I'm going to tell you why, is is we're becoming more and more diverse all the time. We have military and we have civilians. Uh, we have people that have affluence and influence, and we have people that have very little means. We have uh, people that have really nice houses, and we have people that uh, visit us from the riverbed or from the bridge house. We have people that are single. We have people that are married. We have people that are grandparents. We have people that are brand-new parents. We have people that love music. We have people that aren't fond of it. We have some of you that sing and worship. We have others of you that wonder, wonder how long they're going to sing and worship. Um, we have some that like how many Italian food. Raise your hand. Your number one food would be Italian. Yeah, number one. Well, what, what would be the food in Italian food that you would like? Anybody want to throw one out? Ravioli. Yeah. Somebody at first service said pizza. I said pizza's American. Get out of it. You know, pieces from, from New York or Chicago, somewhere like that. Ravioli. Now, I'm not talking about Costco ravioli. Are you? No. Homemade. Oh, pumpkin sage ravioli. How about a little spinach and ricotta? Isn't it funny when we talk about ethnic food, all of a sudden our voice gets a little ethnic? You know? We might say, you know, I'd like a little bit of that chili verde. You know, manakati. Come on, right? So, so ravioli. I'm thinking about when I was raised, we had ravioli. My mom made everything by hand. I never had, I think, until I was probably in late high school years, pasta out of a box or a bag. She made everything by hand. She made her own sausage. And she had this little perforated wheel when we did the ravioli. Yeah? By, she didn't have like a press or a tool or just this little wheel. And she would boil the water, a little salt, a little EVO, come on. And it, the ravioli was right at the top. Woo! And the sauce, even, okay, we're back, back to serving. Mexican food, anybody? Mexican food. Yeah. How many really Mexican? How many just meat and potatoes? Come on. Okay, how about just a good burger burn? Just put it on a... Burger burn. Yeah, burger burn. Okay. How about anybody, uh, uh, Thai food? Curry. Oh, somebody say Italian people raise their hand for curry. Yeah, curry. Italian, pad thai. How about Filipino food? Lumpia, pancet. Chicken and pork adobo. Come on. You got to say adobo. You got to say adobo. Huh? Huh? All right. Well, thanks for coming. And, uh, and I love the fact that we have all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. There's a couple that's brand new to our church. They came from a church of 12,000 people. 
uh, this group right here, you would be the greeters <laughs> for, that, for that church, 12,000. Yeah. And um, we have another couple that came from a church where the services were four hours long. And their first Sunday, I'm going to bring them up here. Uh, their first Sunday was, how come your sermons are so short? Because like you did like 35 minutes that day, and that was our pastor's, previous pastor's introduction. And your worship, like four or five songs, oh, in our last church, one hour. How come you don't have a stand always every Sunday the whole time? Because in our last church, we stood the minute they said good morning, boom, the first note we stood until it was over like one hour. And how come you guys don't dance here? In my last church, we danced throughout the entire sanctuary. I go, what do you mean through the entire? We ran around the church dancing. Well, wait a minute. Don't be judgmental now because James says, don't show favoritism or partiality. Don't be judgmental because you know what the Bible says? You should dance before the Lord. Ah, let's sing and make joyful songs. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, songs we make up from our spirit as the Holy Spirit fills us. And we have some people here that, that speak in other tongues and raise their hands. And we have some people that, oh, excuse me, I came from a church that's very quiet. I fold my hands in worship. And, and you know what I want to say? Thank God for the maturity of all the levels of different people that come here and say, I'm, I'm going to just fit in with LFC, and, and I'm going to be okay. And by the way, if you want to dance before the Lord, you should always do that at home. <laughs> Especially as David did, he danced naked before God. <laughs> please, only at home, please. It would not be a good thing, you know. But I, but I think the, Jew, the joy and the beauty is that, that we're diverse, and so when everybody says, you know, I, 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 I go to this kind of church or that kind of church, I always ask this question, is your church looking more and more like the community you live in? If not, go out there in the highways and byways and compel them to come in. A gentleman yesterday at the Piper Cup fly-in uh, said to me, um, I'm not a church person. And I'm not religious. And of course, you know my response. Neither am I. I'm not religious either. You know? Um, but he said this. I like that. I said, what do you like? He said, your tent says people matter to God. And though I'm not really religious, and I don't read my Bible, and I've never been an altar boy or anything, I, I, I like that because I believe that. And I thought, so do I, sir. I believe that. That means you and I matter to God. And his skin was a little more tan than mine. Um, he was a little older than me. And I had more hair than he does. But the cool thing about it is, he's a people and I'm a people. And wasn't that a song, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper? No, I'm a people, you're a people, wouldn't you rather be a people too? And uh, remember back, back in the days, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. Does anybody remember? Conceived in, oh, come on, history class. Conceived in liberty, of course I'm reading, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. With those words, Abraham Lincoln changed the course of history, and he fast forward about 100 years later, 
On a sweltering August day in 1963, a quarter of a million people traveled to Washington, D.C. for the largest civil rights demonstration in American history. Gathered in front of the Lincoln Memorial, the multitudes heard a 34-year-old preacher by the name of Martin Luther King, Jr., and his words struck home in the heart of America. Something inside the nation stirred, and I still believe today it needs to stir. I have a dream, he said, that my four children will one day live in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Those four words, I have a dream, has been the rallying cry for an oppressed people who long to be given justice. The words of Dr. King and the words of President Lincoln hearken back to the statement of Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. By the way, man is not gender. That all people are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator, by their creator, by their creator. But our founding fathers believed that there was and is a creator who made us. We weren't a petri dish science experiment that went wrong. We didn't just all of a sudden float from the ocean and get on the shoreline and say, I think I'll grow up and be a man, a human being, or a woman. But we've all been given certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, the Bible tells us something about us, that all of us, all of us, red, yellow, black, and white, precious in His sight, all of us have in common. And here's what it is. All people are equally created in God's image. Next slide. All people are equally created. Next slide. Yes, thank you. All people are loved by God. True? All people are stained and tainted by sin. All of us. What's our common denominator? We've all been created by God. We didn't get here because some guy met some gal. He had a sparkle in, her, in his eye and he convinced her to get together. No, all human beings have been created by God. God put the power of the seed in the woman and the seed in the man and said, when the two of you come together, something great is going to happen. But no one got here on accident or by accident. We've all been ordained. We've all been foreknown by God. And God said, "Woo! here comes Bernie. And he was excited when I showed up on the scene. All people are created by God, all people are loved by God, all people are stained and tainted by sin, and all people, let me say it again, all people, one more time, all people are able to be redeemed. There is no one that's unredeemable. I just like that. So, uh, Pastor, how do you think the Bible wants us to view all people right here? All people. God made them. All people, God loves them. All people, sinners. All people need a Savior. All people, redeemable by God. That's why Acts 10, 34 and 35, before we get to James, Peter began to speak and he said, I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. 
Not all of us, even though we have equal value, have equal background, equal experiences, equal gifts. That's why diversity is so fun. We don't all have the same culture. We don't all like the same foods, except this morning it seems like we kind of do. We don't all speak the same language. Anybody speak more than one language? Anybody speak more than one? Yeah? Anybody speak more than two? Anybody have trouble just speaking English? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. Thanks, Larry. I see your hand. We don't all have the same IQ. We don't all have the same musical taste. We don't all have the same economic conditions or situations, the same abilities, the same opportunities. There's a vast difference across the whole spectrum of humanity. But in the church, in the church, we are all to be one in Christ. And that's why in John 17, Jesus prayed the prayer. He said, Father, just like you and me are one, may they be one, the church. May you make them one so the whole world will know that I came. He didn't say the world would know that I I came, born of a virgin, and lived a pure life and died on a cross by the cathedrals you build or the sanctuaries you build or the sound system you have or by preachers who get up like me and talk. No, the world will know that I came because they are one, because they're unified. And when there's bickering and arguing and differences over nothing at all, I mean, they just, you know, we're going to have differences with people when they say there's other ways to get to heaven. Oh, sorry, can't do that. Or there's more than, than one Savior. No, we just sang it today. We believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus went on to say no one comes to the Father but through the Son. But hey, when it comes to style, like do you have music or not? Or does the pastor wear a coat and a tie? I received a three-page letter a few years ago that, uh, from, from a prominent citizen in our community who said, I have no right to stand up here because I don't wear a coat and a tie. Of course, I wrote back and said, sir, do you know what I do sometimes on Sunday back here? I mean, could you have a coat and a tie trying to do this? I mean, it's, it's hard, and I've got three services, and get here before 7 o'clock and leave after noon. I mean, it's five hours plus. You know, if all I did was come out and talk and go back and sit in my office, that might be different. Um, But most of you didn't wear coat and tie either. But if you do, that's fine. You know what? When we expanded this building, the sanctuary used to go to that wall right there. Some of you don't know that, that little wall. It used to be there. And that wood used to come down here from that beam, structural steel beam there. That was parking over there. I'm glad you parked yourself there because that was was parking. But we didn't have to put in that entrance and exit right there. It's not required. But as we looked at the plans, I said, is there any way for us to get two more front doors? And they said, oh, sure, we could do it. So there's two more doors. And A, that would be for convenience. But even above that, it's symbolic. We have six front doors on this building. You think about it next time you drive up. There's symbolism in that. Why? That all are welcome. It doesn't matter who you are. If you agree with us or disagree with us or you're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever group there might be, or you don't vote or you do vote, you know, whether you ever wash your car or not, come on, you're welcome. Yeah. Whether you like our music style or not, whether you're seeking God or not, whether you're dealing with deep issues in your life or not, we're all broken people. We need a healer. So I wanted six doors on the front. Why? Because that way it's symbolic. Everybody's welcome. And we have different areas that you sit in. There's a guy that comes 
uh, usually 8 o'clock, and he sits way back in the corner because that's the quietest part in the room. Because right here, see that cluster of speakers? This is the best sound. The, the first three, four, five rows, best sound right in the middle. So if I was coming like Tommy Walker concert, I would sit right about where you are in the green. Yeah, I, that's about the best. It doesn't make me sound better, just it's, it's the band sounds better. But if you want it quieter, you sit in the back corner. And he goes, oh, I, I like the music, but it's just too loud for me. I can't handle it. Cool. And then we have some people that really don't like lots of sound, so they sit up there in the other room up there where moms go or dads go with their little ones. There's a TV up there, but they can also look through the glass. That's what those two windows are. They look at There's a volume control. See, we got it covered. Um, we also have a gentleman that... that has anxiety attacks, and can't come in a crowd like this. So he watches us online, usually last service. Last service, I said, hey, how are you? And I didn't want to say his name, but I looked in that little camera because he's watching on his computer at home. Still feels like a part of LFC, the body of Christ. But because currently he has anxiety attacks, he couldn't, come, he couldn't handle this crowd of people. It would just freak him out. Now, we are praying God will someday heal him of that. I believe that. But until then, guess what? He's a part of our church. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I just think it's great. And there's people in the back running the sound that get that to him. Now, why am I saying all this? We are diverse. We are so different. It's amazing. There's vegetarians. There's meat eaters. Just like in the New Testament, there was Sabbath keepers and Sabbath uh, uh, non-Sabbath keepers. There were wine drinkers and abstainers. There were Greeks and Jews. There were uh, slaves and free, rich and poor, circumcised, uncircumcised. We'll keep moving on. Um, but for over 2,000 years plus, the church has wrestled. The church has wrestled with favoritism. And so James comes and he says, my brothers and sisters, in verse 1, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show, come on, favoritism. Yeah. Now, real quick, there's a right favoritism and a wrong favoritism. Here's a right favoritism. You're a little league coach. You got five boys on your team that can pitch, and you want the best one to start pitching that day. Favoritism says you're putting Johnny on the mound. And the other four are saying, that's not fair. The coach says, life isn't fair. Let's move on, right? Or you have five candidates for one position at your, at your workplace. You have five people want to promote one spot. What do you got to do? You have to show the righteous kind of favoritism and give it to the best qualified candidate, the best fit for that job. But the other four say it's not fair, and you tell them life's not fair. See, that's how, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, we show a little favoritism here, the righteous kind of favoritism. All of our people that work with our children are background screened and checked. We do the Department of Justice. We do FBI, uh, multi-state background check. We do reference checks. We call your former church if you were in a church. Um, you have to shadow somebody, and then we watch you on closed-circuit camera to make sure you're okay. <laughs> so he goes, why would you do all that? Because our kids are that important, right? Their safety is that important, don't you agree? So a little bit of favoritism filters out people. We had somebody years ago um, that wanted to work in our nursery, and we gave them the application, and they never came back. Um, after six months of asking us to be near our babies, it's just, hello, good morning. I really want to work with kids. I said, yeah, we have youth group. Nope, I want to work with kids. I want to serve in a church. Well, here's a broom. No, I want to work with your babies. I like babies. I really like babies. Good. Come over here, buddy. You like babies? 
fill out this application. And we never saw them again. Now you might say, Pastor B, love and kindness would have... No, 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 no. A certain kind of favoritism says our babies deserve the best qualified people that have the greatest calling, but also the greatest screening. Are you with me? Okay, good morning. Whew, good. You didn't know we had to do all that stuff, did you? But yes, we do. So suppose a, a, a man walks into a bar. I mean, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man, filthy clothes, also comes in. He came in through those doors over there, right? If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated? That's the kind of favoritism that James is talking about today. Years ago, um, we had uh, a, a colonel from the Air Force come to our church, and uh, a couple of the, the airmen around him was like, whoa, what do we do, man? It's our colonel. And he was the commander for some of the men that, and women that came to our church. And here's what he said. Um, when we're inside this church, you call me Bob. And they were like, Pastor Bernie, you're like the honorary commander. What, do, do you know, what are we supposed to do? I said, do what he says. But don't you dare call him Bob out on the base. That will not work. You know, especially when he's in uniform, because when he's in uniform, you got to do all this stuff, right? And uh, but but Bob said, when we come here, we're brothers in Christ. When we're out there, we're brothers in Christ. But out there, because of protocol, I'm your colonel. You salute me. But when we're here, just call me Bob. I thought that was just so cool. Uh, many years ago, we had a general that came. A general. Um, he was a two-star general. That's a major general, and and he came here to church, and he said, uh, Pastor, would you do me a favor? Don't, don't talk about me being a general. Because some of the churches I've gone to, people kind of get enamored with that and they try to give me preferential treatment. I just want to be treated like everyone else. I said, well, that's, that's what we're going to do. Who, who would tell you we would do anything different here? Uh, but you know what I mean? I mean, I love our military and, and, and I'm honorary commander now for security forces and I would love to be able to, sir, right down the front, sir, because, you know, when you're a general, it's a big stinking deal. It really is. They have chefs and drivers and execs and people that carry their combs. And I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And they deserve that honor. But he made it real clear to me. I just want to be one of you guys. I thought, isn't that great? So James is saying, if the general walks in, treat him like one of the guys. Treat him like one of the, give him a broom, help let him sweep, set up outside and pass out snow cones. Okay. Um, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? In other words, some very poor people are rich in faith and rich in spiritual gifts. And on God's playing field, everybody's the same because he created all of us. There's no big shots or little shots in the kingdom, and there'll be no big shots or little shots in heaven. So that's really good, too. Um, is it not the rich that you're exploiting? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name? What he's saying is basically is, hey, there's a guy with a big old ring. I'm going to say it this way. He drove to church in a Mercedes. He's got um, Gucci shoes. He has a Rolex watch and a big old ring, and you gave him a seat in the front. And you told the other people that, that walked to church or rode their bike to church, you got to sit in the back. And that's exactly what we will never become exactly what we'll never, ever become. Do you know that in, in America, this is a true story, that if you were a wealthy family and you went to a certain church 
a certain period of time, you could actually donate money and buy the pew and put your family name on the end of it. No one was allowed to sit in that pew but you and your family. And so they had the first pews, the best seats, where the best sound was, where the wealthy people sat, and then uh, people that came in that weren't donors or givers, they sat in the outskirts of the church. Could you imagine that? Um, a kind of a parenthetical stop. Um, I don't even look at the donor list here. I know a lot of pastors look at the donor list, and they'll send you a letter thinking of you because you've dropped off your tithe, you haven't stopped, you know, you know, been tithing. I don't look at the donor list. Our treasurer does. You get a, a letter at the end of the year that tells you how much you gave. I don't know, and I like it that way because I want to treat all of you as the biggest giver. Are you with me? I don't want to all of a sudden come up to you, you stop giving, and, and oh, Pastor B's being nice to me. He wants to our money. I don't know what you give, so all of you are the big giver. Isn't that good? I, I, like, I like that. It works for me. I've got enough flesh in me that I might actually treat somebody with favoritism if they're a big giver, because i got a lot of projects and a lot of vision. <laughs> I want to still buy more property around us and do us things, and I got, yeah, I got a lot. So anyway, uh, so keep those cards and letters coming in. Uh, as I've told you before, we don't get any money from Salt Lake City or the Vatican. Whatever we use here comes from here, okay? And we don't get grants. We can't, you know, get Santa Barbara Foundation grants because they don't give the faith-based organizations. And so a lot of stuff, you, we're just it. We're, what, we, what, we, what we raise, we use, and we try to use it well. So thank you for that. Uh, it ends by saying this. Speak and act as those who are being are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy, let's read it. Mercy, mercy, triumphs over judgment. Now, we, we, we all want judgment and justice if somebody breaks our window. Somebody's got to pay, right? But when it comes to how we treat people, we've got to treat people with mercy because we don't want judgment and justice coming to us. See, if judgment and justice came to Bernie Fetterman, God has the right to open up the ground and swallow me whole and send me to hell. That's what justice would do. But I've received his mercy and his grace that's greater than, than all of my sin. Prejudice, favoritism, discrimination all go against our very faith and against the very gospel of Jesus Christ that has saved us. Prejudice, no room in the body of Christ. Favoritism, the wrong kind, no room. Discrimination, yep. Could you imagine today going to a, a restaurant and having the owner come out and tell you um, they're not going to serve you food because you went to church today? Wait a minute. Would that be discrimination? But they have the right in America to refuse service. It used to be no shirt, no shoes, no service. But it could be bring a Bible. You can't come in. Could you imagine if, if, if I went to one of the restaurants in town that I like to go to and, and they said, uh, excuse me, no clergy. We don't serve clergy here. Or we don't, you play the drums? I try. I beat on stuff. I bang on stuff. No percussionists here, please. How would you, how would you feel? Well, in America, it was not that long ago where, where black people were told, you, you can't eat here. Or if you do, you have to go to that side of the restaurant. This is the white section, and that's the white drinking fountain, and that's the white bathroom, and that's the black bathroom. 
hey, parents, your kids, grandparents, your kids will learn prejudice and discrimination from you. I, 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 I remember um, growing up Burbank, California. It was a lily white community. Just thought I would add that in. Had two Hispanics in my elementary school. No one African American, zero. The first African Americans I had were in um, junior high. We used to call it junior high back then, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And uh, when I was on the track team and cross country team, we, we had some mulatto and some African American. And, but I, I remember this family came to my house to, to, to get our beds. My brother and I had bunk beds, the kind with the, the wagon wheel, with the, you know, with the ladder. They were like Western, you know what I mean? The turnings looked like logs. And anyway, so we had these, these, these bunk beds. And my dad, who worked at Lockheed Aircraft in Burbank, um, built the SR-71. SR Some of you know the Blackbird and a P-3 Orion and the S-38 submarine fighter and the L-1011 uh, commercial airliner. And so he had a, a friend of his named, named Benny, and, and Benny was a black guy. And all I remember was these black kids were in my bedroom. Like he had like nine kids. And they're, and they're, they're playing with my toys. You got to understand, I got, I got two Hispanics in my elementary school, zero black, and there's nine black kids in my bedroom when I get home from playing with my white friends. My dad said, oh, we're getting new beds for you and your brother in different rooms, and so we're going to give this family our, our, your bed. My bed? And the one kid said, oh, cool. Can I have your car? And had some Hot Wheels, and my uncle worked with, um, for Mattel, and so he had Hot Wheels and stuff in all of my room. And this kid wants my, my Hot Wheels. He's taking my bed, <laughs> you know. And I just remember saying, man, be, be nice to that bed. And if you take a blanket, you can put it down and make a fort and look out the wagon wheel and pretend like you're in a wagon train. I used to dream at night. I was going to cross the prairie. And anyway, sorry. My, my dad taught me not to be prejudiced in that moment. Nine black kids in my bedroom taking my bed. Wanting my Hot Wheels. And I thought, wow. And they loaded up the bed. And I remember watching my dad and this, this, this black guy hug in the driveway. And it left an impression. Now, now, some of you know my dad went through the Holocaust. He's a Holocaust survivor. He, he, was, he was told and his family were told that um, the Jewish people were an inferior race and needed to be eradicated. You want to talk about discrimination? You want to talk about favoritism? You want to talk about words that would make James cringe? And if anybody had the right in that moment, in that moment, to be angry, to hold a grudge against people, probably would have been my dad. I mean, his, his mother and his twin brother and his sister were all killed in, in Auschwitz. And you, you, you think, maybe, maybe, maybe you have, and I'm watching my dad hug this black guy. I never even touched a black guy. I only had two Hispanics at my school. 
and he's, they're taking my bed and my Hot Wheels and my Hot Wheels semi-truck, the larger version that, that they had this, yeah, anyway. And I was thinking about that as I was studying the book of James, looking at the clock and seeing this outline we're never going to get through because you've got to go eat that food we all already talked about. Thinking if anybody had a right to be angry at people, and he's hugging a black guy. And I thought, wow. And so now I fast forward to high school, and there's this, this black kid sitting next to me at a desk. And I just did what I saw my dad do. I'm serious. Can, can I give you a hug? <laughs> I walked down the hall together. His name was Jeff, and we hung out having lunch, and we became friends. We were on a track team together. He was fast. I was not. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'd walk to McDonald's near our school, and I'd buy him a Big Mac. They were 50 cents, and if you had a coupon, buy one, get one free. Oh, those days were good. Parents, church, People watch us and how we act and how we respond. I'm going to say something that's going to you know, shockwave some of you, but how would, how would you like to be told you can't go in a restaurant because you went to church today? How would you like to be the press secretary of the United States and be asked to leave a restaurant because you work for Donald Trump? <laughs> Oh, it polarized the country. If you're a social media person, you know. Twitter was blowing up. And I don't know what you think about Sarah Huckabee Sanders and whether I'm going to get an email later. Somebody after first service said, I don't know if you should bring that up the rest of the day. Ah, let me go for it. <laughs> I've already been told I shouldn't be here anyway. I don't have a coat and a tie, so... But could you imagine being her in that moment? Let's, let's, let's just be honest. The, the proprietor had the right to say, get out of my restaurant. I won't serve you food. The bottom line was, <clears throat> she lies for the president who also lies. We don't serve liars here. But, but did they have everybody stand up and say, any liars here? Get out of our restaurant. No. Now, you might, you might want to disagree, but... At least you'll think about it today, won't you? What would you have done? What if you were sitting at the table next to them, paying a good rent? I understand this restaurant's pretty, pretty upper end, and it's probably expensive. What if you were there? By, would you have walked out too? Would you have walked out and shown your support for her? What if it was years ago? Excuse me, no Hispanics allowed in this restaurant. Or if you don't speak English, you can't come in here. Well, I'm from Switzerland. I don't speak English. You don't want me in your, your restaurant. Huh? What, what, if, what if that was the criteria? Only white people, only brown people, only Hispanic people, only... Hmm. See, see, faith in Christ is incompatible with partiality. You can't embrace Jesus and actually push people away. Now, I know you don't have capacity for every person that comes to you. That's why we say a lot around here, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. 
But if we judge people or show favoritism to people by the world's standards, we are wrong. Because all people were created by God. All people are loved by God. All people are sinners against God. And all people are redeemable through God. So he says in James 2, 1, Show no partiality as to hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Verse 4, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I say this all the time around here, and I, I, I know I'm repeating myself. It's not just because I'm getting old. I know I'm repeating myself. It bothers me in our country and in our county and in our little city of Lompoc when someone doesn't agree with you, and all of a sudden they tell you that you're ignorant or that you need an education or that we're going to change the way you think because you think wrong. I think diversity of opinion and viewpoint make us a wonderful country. I think differences of, 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 of food and culture make us great. I have a friend who lives in L.A. There's 119 different languages spoken uh, within a five-mile radius of his house. And you know what he does every Friday night? He gets on his bike and he drives through the streets because he wants to smell the different ethnicities. He can smell the chili over here. He can smell the curry over here. He can smell the Korean babaku over here. And he just says, I just love it. Red and yellow, black and white. All the smells are precious in his sight. Come on. And I love it too. A dress code. Somebody says, if you're, if you're wearing shorts, you can't come to church. You're okay, man. If you're wearing shorts, you can't come to church. We've had people from LFC, while they were in Florida, walk into a church foyer and be told, you can't enter here because you're wearing short pants. It's Florida. You don't even need to take a shower. You get out of the shower, you dry off, you're wet again. And the bugs are this big. Come on. It, it, I mean, it's Florida. Or some churches, I'm sorry, we have a dress code, no blue jeans allowed. We have six doors. Dress as you want. Just have clothes on. That's all <laughs> I care about. And if you come dancing without your clothes on, forget it. You're not getting in. Okay, pers a personal discovery. Think about other ways that you make distinctions about people based on worldly standards. Think about, this is, this is for you to be challenged in. This is us going into the workshop of James. Think about other ways that you make distinctions about people based on worldly standards. I think this would be good for you to sit down with God, have a moment of introspection and say, Lord, are there any ways in me, inside my soul, where I make distinctions about people based on the way the world does? Excuse me, i.e., she works for the president. Get rid of her. Sorry. Um, he, he looks a little off. Get rid of them. They disagree. They vote Republican. They vote Democrat. Isn't that interesting? We're polarized. But the last thing James wants us to do is be that way. He says, James 2.4, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And our answer would be, I don't want to be that, that person. Big number two, move down. God commands uh, to love our neighbor 
uh, God's command to love our neighbor is incompatible with partiality. We just love our neighbor. And that's how we fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, James 2.8. And then moving forward, uh, partiality is the exact opposite of biblical love. You agree, yes or no? God created the law as a reflection of his own character. When you read the Ten Commandments, you're reading the character of God given to us in a practical, practical, doable form. Thou shalt not lie. That's the character of God. He doesn't lie. Thou shalt not steal. God doesn't steal. He's a giver of gifts. God, God, God would tell us that's how we treat people. I mean, six of the commands are about how we treat others, four are about how we treat him. And he says in John 14, 21, let me see if you're still there. Uh, yeah, are you? Let's read it. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So when we're keeping the commands of God, we're actually able to live out the character of God. Number three, big number three, is God commands us to speak and act according to the law of liberty. Because mercy triumphs over justice. Everyone, going ahead, everyone who belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Good morning, good afternoon now. Everyone who belongs to Jesus belongs to me. What's my criteria for loving someone? Well, I love everybody because they were created by God. He calls us to love our neighbor. Didn't even say love your neighbor if they're a Christian or they voted the way you vote or they like the food you like, or they like the music you like. He just says, love your neighbor. And sometimes you don't get to choose who your neighbor is. <laughs> and sometimes God put the neighbor near you because he's trying to shape something in you. And he's trying to use you to maybe touch them and bring them one step closer to Christ. And last but not least, everyone, this is a kind of a typo, but everyone I meet needs to be met with the same grace of Jesus that I have met. Now, we got it fixed up there. Everyone I meet needs to be met with the same grace of Jesus that I met. There's a lot of mets and meets there. But everyone I meet needs to be met with the same grace of Jesus I've been met with, right? So I receive grace, I give grace, I receive mercy, I, 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 I give mercy. And as I get ready to finish, thank you for being so patient and letting me ramble today. I remember going to that camp that that Ray and Faith went to. And we got near this big fireside. I'm a young Jewish kid, and I've just come to Christ, and, and I'm singing this song, and they'll know we're Christians by our love. Huh? By our love, they'll know we're Christians by, by our love. And the first part went, we're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. We're, we're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. I said, yes, I want that. And we pray that our unity will someday be restored. And that's what Christ is after. That's what James is after. Not just that we would get along, but we'd actually learn to grow in our love towards God and towards each other. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.